0: basic instructions with this form of practice are really just to meet whatever is happening with mindfulness. Just notice it in a light way, a simple way just to be aware of what's happening while it's happening. Notice the relationship to it. There are often times when we When we're sitting in practice or in our daily lives, that it's challenging to simply be with what is happening. That what's arising is strong um, and seems to overwhelm or overtake our capacity to be mindful. And so, I'd like to explore a little bit about working with difficulty in that way. In the Uh, when that arises for us, when it feels hard to be mindful. Um, But I would first like to start with an encouragement to uh, explore whether there's any beliefs or views first about, with this particular thing that's coming up, whether there's a belief that I can't be mindful of this. Something like sleepiness, for example, coming up in our meditation we, we often have a relationship of that as being something that I can't be mindful of. The one thing that I've really learned in this style of practice, um, what it has really helped me to, to do, is to open my uh, capacity to be aware, to recognize that I can be aware of Anything. That mindfulness can be aware of whatever our experience is. And sometimes when we feel like we can't be mindful, the difficulty is that we just believe we can't be mindful. That we think there's something in- going on that inherently means we can't be mindful. Sleepiness is one of those things often. That we think that when we're sleepy, it means mindfulness can't be there. And so, one of the encouragements here is to first of all check, and one of the, the ways we can check in with this is asking ourselves, Am I aware? So, noticing that you're sleepy. Actually, I'd like to propose if you have the thought, I can't be sleepy, be- I can't be mindful because I'm sleepy. If you have that thought, you have been aware that you're sleepy. If you have that thought, you have enough mindfulness to be aware of sleepiness. Now maybe you don't have, have enough energy to be aware of something else like your breath or to be aware of some particular other experience. But check in. Is it possible to be aware of what is most obviously here? Is there some idea that I should be able to be aware of something other than what's most obviously here? Is there an idea that, you know, well, I'm sleepy, but I should be able to be with my breath? It's like, well, maybe you can be aware of what it's like to be sleepy. So that's, a, that's an initial encouragement to just check in and see, well, what is, what is actually happening here? And can there, there's, there may already be some awareness of what's here, but some idea or some kind of view that I'd rather be paying attention to something else. Or something else would be better to be paying attention to. This can't possibly be worthy of mindfulness. So just see if, if there's that possibility. Of, okay, well, sleepiness is happening. Maybe I can be aware of sleepiness. Thinking is happening. Maybe I can be aware of thinking. Some emotional state. Anxiety is happening. Maybe I can be aware of anxiety. It's often helpful also as a first kind of avenue of working when it feels like there's a difficulty to check the attitude. What's the relationship to what's happening? What's the relationship there? Because when there's a feeling of difficulty, there's some kind of of attitude in relationship to it, some kind of either belief or view, first of all, I can't be mindful of it, or some kind of not liking it, wanting it to go away, Um, An an experience of um, wanting to have something else happening. And so check check the attitude, check the relationship. Often when we're struggling in meditation, that's a really good time to check the attitude. Because if there's a struggle, there's something going on behind the scenes in our minds that has not been clearly acknowledged or clearly seen. And so if that can come into, if it can come out of the background of the mind, where it's kind of uh, running the show without our really being clear about it, if it can come out of the background and into the foreground where we know, oh yeah, this is happening and I don't like it. This is happening and I want something else to be happening. Then that that awareness, that, that, that recognition of that attitude can help us then to kind of step back, be in a kind of a bigger container and hold. Well, there's this thing and I would rather something else is happening. That's what's happening right now. So these are some possibilities to um, opening our, uh, ourselves to something that is challenging, something that feels like it's difficult to be mindful of. But also then it can be, um, if there's something challenging, sometimes it can be helpful to do uh, something a little more, um, um, kind of have some curiosity about the experience. Now this is... um, um, It's a, little bit of, it's a little bit of investigation. It's not just the pure, you know, what's here. But it is kind of maybe being curious about different aspects of what's here that you hadn't thought to check into. So if there's a strong emotion, for example, you could just check in, well, how is the body with this? What are the thoughts that are associated with this? What other Emotions may be kind of running around, and again, the attitude can be really helpful. Another useful question or investigation around something difficult—that some—it's—it's it's kind of in the flavor of looking at the attitude, but it has got to maybe a different angle on it. Um, is to check in: What am I believing? What's being believed about this? experience? What's being believed about this situation? Beliefs are, are often kind of deep under <coughs> underground informing what we how we feel, what we think what we believe. It's that those beliefs kind of are, are um, often hidden from us. And when they're exposed again, they're, there's the possibility of just being aware of them as opposed to um, being Driven by them, being, being uh, having our choices and our decisions made by those beliefs, So much of, of what we do in our lives is, comes because there are conditioned habits, patterns, views, beliefs that we are you know we've just been conditioned to take as truth. This is the way I do things, this is the way things are. And when we can begin to recognize that oh, this is actually, this is a belief that's arising, this is not necessarily truth, then that, that can create the conditions for something else to happen around that, uh, that experience. So you can you know, get, get a little curious about the experience, if there's something challenging, maybe investigate a little bit, effect on the body, the effect on the mind, beliefs that may be happening And yet still there are are some times when something is particularly challenging. And what I'd say is, I think most of you already have uh, have a meditation practice. You know some tools, things that help you to balance your mind when it gets out of balance. You are welcome to use those tools at any point in this practice when it feels like your mind is um, losing its bearings, when it feels like you're getting pulled into reactivity, Feels like ju- if it feels like just trying to be mindful of what's happening while it's happening, that the reactivity is getting stronger and stronger and stronger. That's probably not the time to simply try to be with it. And so, use your tools. What works for you? If some of you, for some of you, it may be metta practice helps you to stabilize. For some of you, coming back to the breath or opening to hearing. Use what works for you. Use use the tools that you know work for you. And then I'm going to offer just a couple others that I've found in this style of practice particularly useful. Um, And one of those is uh, when I notice there's something really challenging going on, um, often what seems to go on is that the mind kind of dives into that and um, um, it kind of gets stuck to it. It, It's like like there's, there's this thing happening and it's like my mind has just kind of dived underneath it and it's taking up the entire um, world, you know it's like that's all that's in my awareness is that challenge that struggle, that reactivity And, and one thing that can be really useful is to consciously broaden the container remind yourself that there are thousands of things going on besides that reactivity I would sometimes cycle through my sense bases. So, yeah, I'm experiencing this depression. But also, I'm, there's hearing. Oh, that's happening right now. And there's seeing happening right now. And there's the body. There's contact with the ground. Oh, and there's the depression. So not trying to avoid experiencing that reactivity, but consciously reminding yourself that there's other things going on. That can kind of normalize the, um, the experience so that we're not, um, I mean, actually in the, in the way that our minds have dived into it, it's amplifying the experience and this is creating a condition of more normalcy. It is just one of many things going on. And so consciously letting your mind recognize that and that may be consciously directing your attention cycling through the sense spaces. That's a very useful tool when there's something strong and, um, Um, difficult to be mindful of. And so that lets you touch into it, the difficulty, maybe a reactive emotion. It lets you touch into it on occasion as you're also cycling through the other things. You're not trying to avoid noticing that, but you're consciously remembering that there's other things happening. And so in that cycling through, the experience of that reactivity may pop in and in that moment, it can be, okay, yep, there's that. And then go on to the next thing. Go on to, and there's seeing. And there's hearing. And there's the body. Oh, there it is again. Okay, and they're seeing. So keep going with and, and, and. There's something else there. Um, another useful tool for things that, that maybe are kind of, Persistent, habitual things that um, happen a lot, things that re-arise happen a lot in our experience. Um, Sometimes I I found just being really simple about the recognition, not trying to do a lot of detailed investigation, but just noticing, okay, here it is, yep, this is here. And and when it was there in my mind, noticing a kind of... um, the difference between when the mind was caught by that thing, feeling like it was a problem, being reactive to it, and when the mind was not caught by it. So sometimes I might be able to experience that, ex- that the state of frustration, for instance, and it's just like, oh yeah, that's frustration. Yeah, it's there, I'm aware of it. It's okay. And other times, the experience of frustration might be there and it'd be feeling like, oh, again, it's still here. Why hasn't it gone away yet? I've been looking at this for three years. Why is not it gone yet? So that, that there can be that kind of reactivity to the, the, the state, the reactive state, the difficult state. Notice the difference between being okay with it and being caught by it. And sometimes I would just use a very simple caught. Yep, there's that frustration. And yep, I'm caught by it. Feels like it's a problem. Yep, caught. Caught is happening. Or not caught. So you just you get familiar with that difference. And, and actually when you can kind of step into, yep, that's happening and I'm caught by it. Maybe there's a little bit of a bigger container of being not caught by the caught. Yep, I know caught is happening. So that's one thing that's useful, to notice the, the caught or not caught by something that comes uh, regularly. And then also um, noticing at times that that pattern is not there. So this is some, if, if for something that comes back a lot, really habitual kind of pattern. It will be there sometimes, it won't be there sometimes useful to recognize that it's not always there. Our minds can create this projection of something that's very habitual as always being there somewhere, lurking. But sometimes we can recognize it's actually not there. And it's not even lurking. It's just not there. That can be um, really useful because it begins to... um, help our mind, which is very identified with that state often, thinks. sometimes, well, that's me. I definitely had this feeling uh, uh, that I was a miserable person. Generally, a miserable person. And um, my mind, when I wasn't miserable, did something like, well, yeah, I know, I, well, I'm not miserable now, but I know what I really am is miserable. And so it just kind of creating or pulling along that misery into whatever because I was so identified with it. But as we can begin to recognize it's not there, and just actually recognize, no, it's not here right now. That can begin to poke holes in the identification with it, begin to poke holes in the belief that it's me, that it's solid, that it's stable. So those are a few, um, a few things. Um, notice notice uh, that it's just one of many things happening. When it's here, notice caught or not caught. Present or absent. And then there's a couple other things that can be helpful um, that I, I, I really learned from Sayadaw Utegeniya. He encouraged bringing um, wisdom reflections into the mind. That can help to help us to meet uh, something challenging. Uh, reflections such as this is impermanent. This this won't last. Um, reflections such as this is, this is causes and conditions. This is, and, and for me, this was expressed in a couple of different ways that had a real resonance for me. Sayadaw Utejaniya suggests the reflection or the, 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 the remembering. This is nature. You know, th- what's happening right now is happening because of causes and conditions, because of the way you have lived your life in the past, the habits, the patterns, the conditioning of your parents of everything that you've learned what's happening right now is happening because of all of those conditions as well as conditions that are happening right now it's just like a tree growing you know the tree grows because there was a seed that was planted or um, the, the root was there and the conditions were favorable for the tree to grow it grows because that's its nature. And kind of similarly, our uh, what's arising in this moment is arising because of conditions from the past. And for me, that, that frame, this is nature, uh, Saira's use of that phrase, helped me to reflect on, right, this is not personal. This is nature unfolding. This is just the nature of things unfolding. This is happening because of causes and conditions. My, um, this, this was very powerful for me, working with self-hatred, recognizing, in fact, at, at some point, recognizing the conditions of that um, pattern in my mind, not only being about my own life and history, but about, you know, kind of familial conditioning. And recognizing that um, the whole pattern there was conditioned. When, when that pattern... And, and that was a very powerful insight around that conditioning at one point. And it was so powerful, actually, that there was a lot of compassion. There was a lot of release around that, uh, that experience of self-hatred. And I kind of thought in that moment that I had solved the self-hatred, that it would never come back. Um, and that was not true. Uh, it, it actually kept coming back equally as strongly. But what was possible at that, a- after that moment was the clear recognition of, right, this is just conditioned. So it took the personal out of it. We could say I took the self out of the self-hatred. You know, it, was, it just was, this is a pattern arising. It was just, oh, and this is the other um, uh, language for myself that I've used. It's like, of course this is arising. This was the way the mind was shaped. And with that recognition of the conditions, what it didn't mean that the pattern didn't arise but what it did mean was that there was space around that pattern. There could be some ease with being with that pattern. Because the mind was no longer so identified uh, with, the, with the self-hatred. It was seen as just this play of conditions from history. That made it much easier to hold with mindfulness. The the feeling of self hatred is often one that feels very threatening, very difficult to be with, and that understanding around causes and conditions was ver- was helpful in terms of allowing me to hold. Oh, that's what's unfolding right now. No longer felt so threatening. So there was a difference. We could say that this the difference in those two, uh, where the, that understanding of the of the of course, nature of that, the, cause, the causes and conditions, nature of that self-hatred arising. And the earlier experience was that earlier, the mind had been caught by it. And now it was no longer caught by it. The pattern still plays out, was still playing out, but it could be observed without being, feeling like um, a self-hatred, uh, Self-threatening in a way. Um, so and, and, and following from that, even um, a few, a few um, uh, weeks later, there was another understanding that arose around the self-hatred, that really, um, because I could now be with the self-hatred, I could start to see more clearly uh, what was going on, what was putting it together. And at a certain point began to see, oh, this is just a thought arising in the mind that's being believed. That, that bec- Because I could now be with the experience of self-hatred, I could see it more in its, in its um, nature, in its pattern, what was happening, how it was, how it was coming up. And that seeing of this is just a thought that's being believed, that was really, really powerful for undermining the self-hatred. For kind of, that really um, did a major uh, uprooting of that pattern. I would say it's it's still around. It happens, but there's it's like little whispers. It doesn't happen to the to the degree it used to. So, uh, so you know this path, this path, this this uh, practice of watching our experience, learning about it curious about it. You know, that uprooting that happened around self-hatred, I didn't do that. I didn't, I didn't do that uprooting. It was the understanding that happened through the seeing, through the witnessing of a thought arising in the mind kind of latching onto the belief of it and seeing. This is just a belief. It's nothing. It's, it's ephemeral. That wisdom of seeing, that is what released the mind from the self-hatred. And so really, I talked earlier about being a naturalist, witnessing what's here. There's learning that happens as we observe our experience. That learning, that wisdom, is what does the release, does the, the letting go of these difficult and reactive patterns. And so uh, part of this is an encouragement to, um, to explore the difficult patterns. There's so much freedom that can happen as we have the courage to meet our difficult patterns. And yet to also be aware of when, uh, when we can't simply be mindful of our difficult patterns. Um, so the use of the, the wisdom reflections of bringing in a thought in the mind... This is, this is nature, of course this is happening, this is impermanent, those kinds of reflections. Another one that can be useful is just a recognition, oh yeah, this is dukkha, this is, this is suffering. This is actually what the Buddha said we should understand, the first noble truth, understand suffering. Be curious about it. Get to know it through mindfulness. Mindfulness sometimes when I've used that reflection, oh, this is dukkha. It's kind of been, it's, it's kind of been just a little like, oh yeah, that's right. This is, this is what the Buddha said I'm supposed to be looking at. As opposed to a problem to be solved, it's something to be seen, to be understood, understanding. Um, and when you find it's difficult, when you cannot be with something through maybe using some of these tools... Use, your, use the ones that you know can help you balance your mind. And then when the mind is balanced again, coming back to explore what's here, what's this? Am I aware? What am I aware of?